Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BNAC Talks Press. I am doing something a little different with the podcast. I am bringing you a special 12-part series, and in the series... I sit down with three presentation and communication experts to tackle some of the biggest presentation questions we receive from our audiences. The experts are global communications expert, Monique Russell, Robert Honorado, who's a director of education and a professional speaker. And then there's Diana Howells, an award-winning speaker, best-selling author, and global virtual trainer. You can check out their bios at the end of each show, but for now, tune in and take notes. This is going to be a good one. Hi there, Bridget McGowan, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I have with me as my guest, Diana Howells. Diana, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bridget. So great to be here. The question that Diana and I are tackling today is a good one. How do I stop using filler words or crutch words like, uh, um, like, so, you know, well, kinda. <laughs> I one. think you said, I think you said them all there, Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, um, I was, I was wondering, and even <laughs> our international listeners, you know, I was with this person from Germany and she said, im, im, you know, so we all, in all of our cultures, we have these words that we want to fill in and fill that silence. It's so hard. And I want us to kind of rephrase the question because we don't want to stop using filler words. We want to adjust our use of filler words. And here's why. A sparing use of filler words makes you sound human. If a little uh or um doesn't slip out here or there, you start to sound robotic, quite frankly. I have to kind of make myself use a filler word ever so often because I've been so focused, Diana, on not using them until I, I can tell that I almost sound like you know somebody who works for AT&T, one of their, I don't know, operators. Oh, yeah. or <laughs> you know, I think that's a great relief for our listeners today because- yes. You know, they've probably heard, maybe some of you have heard, oh, you know, remove all those words from your vocabulary. We're not perfect. We are human. And in fact, I heard an organizer who worked with TED speakers say, you know, in the old days, we kind of appreciated the authenticity and the genuineness of our speakers that would even use filler words. And now it's almost like the speakers are maybe too polished. And as you mentioned, Bridget, when you're too polished, you almost come across as too perfect and we lose that sense of connection with you because it doesn't feel real, right? So what we're recommending today is not to completely eliminate them, but a, a few might slip in here or there, but we do want you to think about not saying them so much that they call attention to themselves because now attention is focused away from you and your message. And that's where we want people to be focused. Exactly. Filler words become a problem when every other word is a filler word. 
I don't get a chance to watch the news very much. And this morning it was actually just on as background noise, quite frankly. And there was a young lady, can't remember if she was a college grad or soon to be college grad, very sharp, lovely personality for what I could tell on the screen. But as I'm listening, it's background noise. I heard, what was it? I think it was either, you know, college, my guess is like was like, it was was either like, or, you know, Mm -hmm. I wish I could remember right now, but that was all I could remember from what she was saying. She stood very poised and had a lovely countenance about her and a fire in her eyes and was very passionate about what she was talking about. She was up at uh, the Supreme Court along with some other classmates. But like Diana said, the problem with filler words becomes when it gets in the way of your message and nobody can remember anything you said, but the filler words. So let's get into how we reduce our use of them. Yeah. You know, I always have called, uh, I know fillers has kind of become the popular term in recent years, but uh, kind of in the old days, we called them vocalized pauses. And we call them vocalized pauses because you vocalize where you should be pausing. So the idea is that when you have that temptation to say, you know, I think that, you know, we should really, you know, do this tonight because, you know, if we haven't, you know, done it before, then, you know, we should probably do it now. So all of a sudden we hear, oh, the focus becomes, did they just say, you know, 10 times? Mm -hmm. And then they start listening for that. And then they stop listening, right, to what you're saying. So if we go back to vocalized pauses, not wanting to vocalize, it sort of implies then that we would take a break. We would pause where there should be a pause but because we're uncomfortable with that silence and we feel like we should fill it with something we'll have a word sneak in like you know or like which I do hear a lot of college students using like and like and like and like and Bridget you know how we learn language right we learn language by being immersed in a community that spoke a certain way that we did And so when you're immersed in college, for example, and everyone else is saying like every 10 words, you do it too, right? We start to talk the jargon of the organization we join. We start to talk like everyone else, but we really want to challenge you today to raise the bar. And when you are speaking to your audience to really ensure, first of all, discover if you have a vocalized pause or a filler that you use repetitiously, and then be able to practice pausing instead of saying that word over and over. Exactly. I tell people the number one strategy to put in place to reduce your use of filler words is to pause and say nothing. Yes. When you feel yourself, you can tell when a when an uh is about to creep out. You can tell <laughs> when a y- you um. know is about to leak out. You can tell and you stop yourself right there and say nothing. No one will even notice. No, they'll not just at all. Think, it, it, right, they'll just think it's a contemplative pause. Or I know in another episode, you and I talk about having a pause after a comma in a sentence or having a pause at the end of a sentence. That's right. No one will think anything of it. I do it all the time. That is my go-to strategy. That's yeah. my go-to strategy. Bridget, is there a filler that you use? I know for me, my word is um. That's the one that I work on. Do you have one that you kind of- Right. Oh, right. Use, is, yeah, yeah. Right. I right? use that 
I think I use that and maybe okay or all right. Mm-hmm. Those are probably my top three yeah. that I will use. And I use right as if it's a transition word. You know, I yeah. use with a question mark at the end, after. right? No, I don't even know. I don't even add the question mark to it. Oh, okay. Right. I don't even add the question mark to it. And there's a reason behind that. It sounds like <laughs> up talk. Oh, sure, it, sure. Yes. I oh up talk drives me up a wall and <laughs> <laughs> they are almost like, or up talk is almost like filler words for me. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard for me to hear a person's message. If the end of every sentence sounds like that. Yeah. So it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's but, right. Cause you know, more powerful if it sounds like there's a period at the end and your, yeah. your inflection drops instead of Right. Let's oh. go to lunch today. You know, like, like it's a question where the inflection goes up at the end. Right. 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 And, and you hear me. I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and I'm I sure our it. listeners are thinking that too. You know, there's that common phrase out there. I know. Right. That's been around for maybe what, 12 years. And uh, again, we, we hear language, we repeat it almost immediately. I think it's built into us. That's how we learn language. So whatever your uh, community is however they talk is likely how you will talk. But again, it's something that you can practice and improve this skill, as Bridget mentioned, by before you are about to say whatever that word is for you or words, practicing that pause. It's going to feel uncomfortable, right? Bridget, at first, it feels like it disorients you. You almost feel like you're thrown off balance. It is. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Any kind of change can right. be uncomfortable. Imagine getting your kitchen remodeled. It's uncomfortable until those contractors are out of there and your new tile is down and the granite is installed. You can find things again. Exactly, right? So any kind of change is going to be uncomfortable for a period of time, but you know once you get through the process that it's going to be gorgeous in the end, there just you like go. that kitchen. You yeah. keep your sights on the end goal. And yeah, and I think it's really helpful for our listeners too to think about You know, you want to be, deliver a powerful message. You want to either influence people, persuade them, challenge them, inspire them, whatever your intention is, you will do it in a more powerful way. If you remove those distractions, which would be the repetitive, so, 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 you know, you know, you know, um, 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 right. If we minimize those and then, right, your message will be much more effectively delivered. Now you've taken my filler word, Diana. You didn't realize it, but you just used it multiple times in a few seconds. Right. Right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, there it is. I'm rubbing off on you. Here's (laughs) another way. Here's another strategy, everybody. And this is a really wild one. And I want to come back to audience in a second too and kind of contradict ourselves for just a second, but you'll see where I'm going. I know I'm giving you a teaser, everybody. (laughs) But here's another strategy for reducing your use of filler words, and that is to look the person in the eye when you're talking to them. Now, this is in those one-on-one instances. It sounds strange, but it's a lot harder to utter a filler word if you're looking someone directly in the eye. So try that. Now, that that doesn't necessarily work well 
for a presentation. But remember, we're practicing on a daily basis for That's our right. presentations with every conversation we have. So whenever you're talking to someone, I want you to work so hard at looking that person in the eye. Trust me on this one. It's a lot harder to say a filler word when you're doing that. That's a great tip, Bridget. I've never used that or thought of that. So I would like to try that too. And what I I like to think about with my audiences is I like to think of them as one. My audience to me is singular. It's a group of people, but it's one. And so when you think about that, maybe uh, our listeners too could think about, I'm making eye contact with my audience of one. And that brings out that personable delivery, that conversational delivery. And then this idea of, uh, if I'm hypothetically looking them in the eye, and then that can help eliminate, right, those those filler words. But we're here to tell you, everyone, it is possible. There is hope, and you can do this. Totally, totally. And here's one more strategy. I give you eight strategies in Real Talk uh, second edition, the second edition of Real Talk, what other experts won't tell you about how to make presentations that sizzle. And I've already given you two of those eight strategies. And that starts on page 22 if you're interested. Here's one more. And then you're going to have to get the book to get the other five. (laughs) Project your voice. Now, Diana and I talk about this voice projection idea in another episode where we talk about how do you slow down your rate of speech? This all works together. Here's the deal. When you project your voice, it's kind of, you you project confidence, period. There's no kind of to it. When you project your voice, you project confidence. And when you project confidence, you are less likely to use filler words. Again, fill that diaphragm. Don't, Don't fill your lungs, fill your diaphragm. For more on that, Check out our episode on slowing down your rate of speech. (laughs) Feel your diaphragm. But here's the deal. Would you take a deep breath, then loudly and energetically with this full diaphragm say, uh, no, you wouldn't. (laughs) Or, (laughs) all right. Or, you know. So project your voice. Work on projecting your voice, filling that diaphragm, and have your words floating on that quality air. You're speaking with confidence. When confidence goes up, that use of filler words is going to go down. That's so great. And I think also it's important for listeners to think about it's it's habit too, right? So how you talk at home and how you talk with your friends and how you talk with your colleagues. When you are up speaking in front of an audience that your natural patterns of habit will also emerge. So again, just practicing catching those vocalized pauses or fillers in your daily course of life will help you then change your pattern for when you're delivering your speeches, right? So something for us to always kind of be working on. And just to remember, you will come across so much more powerful and get your message across if we can improve in this area. Now, here's the cliffhanger, everybody. I said earlier, I'm going to circle back and say something that's going to kind of contradict, but not really contradict with Diane, what Diane and I have been saying when it comes to filler words. Now, something Diana has brought out is audience. 
thinking about your audience and paying attention to who's in front of you. Back in the summer of, oh, it was actually July. It was July of 2022. I was at an ATD event in San Antonio. I was there too. Yes, you were. And not only was ATD core four in San Antonio, but my nieces and nephew, as well as their mom and dad, live in San Antonio. So of course, it was without question as to whether I would spend some time with them. Of course. My my nieces are teenagers. I like to think that I'm hip. I don't understand (laughs) if you are hip, you don't use the word hip, but I like to think I'm cool. (laughs) And I love hanging out with them, right? So one of them is, what year is this? One of them is 14. So she was 13 at the time. And then the other is 17. And we just hang out together. We cook, we go, yeah. we shop, we talk. Cool. It's hip. It's cool. Right. Hip and cool. I will have to text and ask them what is the right vernacular nowadays to. I'm uh, guessing it's cool. Cause that word never goes out, you know, although yeah. my husband tells me that way, 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 way back in the day, hot was like the cool word. Like everyone was like, oh, that's hot. But nobody right. says that like for decades, but apparently it used to be hot and now it's cool. And cool's been around for a long time, but Forever. Anyway, so yeah, your, your, your nieces. I'm hanging out with them and I found myself changing the way I talked. Oh, <gasps> did you talk more like them? Yes. Yes. Isn't that interesting? See, that's how we use, we learn language. And mm-hmm. I, and I was conscious of it and I was fine with it. Right. I said, do I really need to sound like I'm putting on a presentation while the girls and I are going Hanging to out. the grocery store to pick up provisions to bake cookies? No, I don't. Right. So what I want you to do is yes, on a daily basis, put in place those practices, those tools, those strategies that make you sound like a confident speaker. But at the same time, remember your audience. Now, do the girls know? Do my nieces know when I'm serious or when I mean business? Well, actually, probably not. Uh, <laughs> I'm always just, I'm Aunt B to oh, them. Aunt I'm B. Aunt B. Yeah, Aunt B. There you go. Aunt B. So they, they, I don't think they've ever really seen a serious side to me now that I think about it. But I think they would. And I've never had to, quote unquote, get serious with them. They've always been fantastic girls. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, seriously, I have never had to say to either one of them, hey, stop that. Don't quit. Move. Whatever. I, never. But... I, you know, I don't, I don't think that they need to hear this buttoned up, no filler words, Aunt B, right? I don't think they need to hear that. And the same thing goes for, let's say, if, if I were visiting an elementary school mm-hmm. and I'm participating or volunteering for a story time or something, mm-hmm. I'm not saying let your filler words seep in. But pay attention to your audience and always make your speech audience centric. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I might get a little comfortable with the filler words around my nieces, Jada and Chloe. Yeah. But, you know, I I am going to shift gears and make sure that they. I don't know. 
that they feel comfortable around me, but then they also know that I speak with confidence. They hear me talking to their mom. They hear me talking to their dad or my husband, their uncle, right? And, and so as adults, speaking to adults, I am going to not necessarily talk to them like I'm talking to 17 and 14 year olds. But I say all that to say, just, you know, know when it's okay to be a little lax. Yeah. Be yourself, be authentic, be genuine. And, you know, even in these natural conversations where you are aunt B, right. If you catch Mm -hmm. yourself saying like, right, right, right. Like I just said there, or, um, you can still practice like leaving those out, but, but as we, we grow, we are keeping our audience in mind. You know, I think about all the organizations that use jargon, they say, well, we don't call it the customer center. We call it the center. Or if you work with the library, they say, we don't call them customers. We call them patrons. So if you work with lawyers, they'll say, come to the table and we'll have a discussion, right? Those there's phrases and languages and words that are unique to every culture, every organization. And we naturally adopt it. We learn what to call that in order to communicate That's what I'm talking about, the center, right? Oh, your organization doesn't call it the customer center. So we are, we learn language by how we're exposed to those communities we're immersed in, but we can still be more impactful, more powerful, and have more credibility, right? If we can at least eliminate the excessive use of fillers in our language. There you go. That excessive use, that's the operative phrase right there. Well, listeners, so this is what we want you to do. We want you to take a second and determine, are there filler words that creep into your language entirely too much? How to determine that? Kind of like how you can determine if you're speaking too fast. I want you to either record yourself or ask a trusted colleague, friend, or family member, I'm working on my filler words. Let me know. I just want you to Keep tabs on me, so to speak. Keep an eye out and let me know which ones am I using? Am I using them too much? Determine which ones you are using if they're getting in the way of your message. And then one, pause and say nothing when you feel it about to come out. Two, work on eye contact when you're talking one-on-one or one-to-many in your presentation. Look at your audience as one being, one person. But in those one-on-one instances, when you look people in the eyes, it's really hard to come out of your mouth or have a filler word come out of your mouth. And then three, work on projecting your voice, feel that diaphragm. And then finally, just remember the audience mm-hmm. hanging out. Yeah. Hanging out with your, with your nieces talking that's about, right. oh my gosh, can you believe like totally then that's perfectly fine, but don't get on a stage. And say <laughs> that. So true. So true. All right. Well, listen, Diana, as always, I love our conversations. Cannot wait until the next one. Diana Howells, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Bridget. And thank you to the listeners. Could not do this without your fantastic questions. I am Bridget McGowan. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. Diana L. Howells, MA, is an award-winning speaker, best-selling author on Amazon, and a global virtual trainer who brings more than 20 years of experience in the learning industry. As a world-class facilitator, she has trained Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 companies such as Merck and Nikon, as well as government clients like the FDA, U.S. Customs, and the USDA. 
and she has facilitated virtual programs in more than a dozen countries. She is the author of the best-selling 2022 book, Next Level Virtual Training, Advance Your Facilitation. Diana is currently CEO of Howells Associates, LLC, and a popular speaker at international conferences and events. 